Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, this feels a little like deja vu. The Blue Jackets enter the week off of a Sunday win against the Canucks as they concluded their swing through Western Canada. We'll talk about that and more. I am William Chase, and joining us for this week, Pale Dragon. PD, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Will? Doing well. And Eric Seeds. Eric, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. There you go. All right, well, maybe uh, maybe a little bit better than the Blue Jackets, but uh, we'll go ahead and start. Uh, so Columbus goes 1-1-1 one, one, and one on their Western Canadian swing. They fell 3-2 to the Flames Wednesday in overtime after blowing a 2-0 lead. They started well against Edmonton, d- kind of dominated that first period uh, with 20, over 20 shots. They outshot them 46-24, but they ultimately couldn't solve Miko Koskinen in the net. But then they got Elvis back. Sunday night, beating the Canucks 2-1. to PD, I'll start with you. What was your takeaways from this past weekend? Yeah, so I was, I was really nervous last night when Vancouver got their one goal because I thought, oh no, here we go again. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, it's going to be another game where they blow it late, you know, because they, they got that early lead against Calgary and were just trying to sit on it and then fell apart late. Uh, and then against Edmonton, they were actually outplaying Edmonton for most of the game, just couldn't finish, and then, again, fell apart in the end, gave up a bunch of goals. Um, so I give a lot of credit to the team for uh, you know, being able to stand up and finally close the game out, which they haven't been able to do much lately. Um, a lot of credit goes to Elvis for that. I thought he played really great in his return. Um, I also really liked the way where they the way they started the third period there against Vancouver uh, because they weren't content to just sit on their lead for 20 minutes they put a lot of pressure on early in the third um, which so that's that's the way they should play it's the way they haven't been playing so hopefully they took some good lessons from that so I'll be totally honest guys I had the recap last night and I definitely fell asleep and missed a good chunk of the third period um whoops <laughs> Uh, so yeah I fell I fell asleep on the couch during second intermission I guess I was just tired from uh playing indoor soccer yesterday afternoon but yeah uh I was I I was concerned um about the third period as well obviously I didn't see all of it but 
Um, for those of you who read the preview yesterday, um, the third period was my biggest concern going into the game because uh, the Jackets obviously blew two third period lead, or well, they they blew the third period lead against Calgary and then the third period against Edmonton. Despite them, yeah, admittedly they they won that game everywhere but the scoreboard. But unfortunately, the scoreboard's where it matters, and they got their faces caved in on the scoreboard in the third period there against the Oilers. I think uh, this is a type. This is the type of game that uh, it was really nice to see Elvis back there. He he made some big saves. He got lucky a couple times. Vancouver hit a couple posts early in the game. Toffoli had one of note that probably should that probably should have gone in, but uh, um, Elvis got lucky and was able to make some key saves at key times. He had a couple big rebound saves, and I I know it's just. Cor- they're, they're kind of one and one a Corpy and Elvis, but man, I just feel more comfortable when Elvis is back there. Most mostly because I think one part of it is Elvis's rebound control. I think is m- much better than Corpy's, and I really like that he is more of a technique focused goaltender rather than at just straight up athleticism, which is kind of how Corpy's t- tends to play. I just I feel more comfortable back with him back there, and I wonder if the team does. But I thought I thought Elvis looked really good last night in his first game back, and I'm really excited to see what uh, happens going forward. Hopefully, they can build on this win, this win over Vancouver, because they didn't build on the last one. But they've got a got a big game here on Thursday, so hopefully they can take some of this a little bit of momentum. They probably did the bare minimum they needed to on that road trip to. Uh, stay in the race here three point I, I said last week they needed four they got three so they're right they're, they're yeah we'll see see it's I feel you I was pretty tired last night also I had to take a nap before the game on Saturday which I recapped and so I was wide awake for that Oilers uh, Jackets game and you know my takeaway I guess from that game itself was you have to try to limit or contain Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid which they essentially did. I mean, Connor McDavid did have a goal, but Dreisaitl was as hot as anybody coming in, and he was basically taken away, at least off the score sheet. But it's just a shame when you pretty much have you know, a ton of shots against the opposition. You limit two of their best players, and then they can only get one goal against a goalie who coming in was 32nd of 34 against uh, among goalies in the NHL at home on the season. So... At least they were able to rebound last night, and I think you're right about Elvis. He just it just feels like he's even after missing a couple of games with the injury, he was able to just kind of come back and play like a number one when you need a guy like that to come in and kind of settle things down. Uh, so I briefly wanted to touch on Ryan Murray. He came back to the lineup last Sunday against Vancouver, played against the Flames, but then he missed the Oilers game because he was quote nicked up according to Twitterella. So I know we all start thinking, now what? Because he has the worst luck in the world. He did return last night, but it always gets me thinking with Ryan Murray. When he's on the ice, when he's healthy, he's you know he's a really good player. He's great defensively, but he has another year on his contract. The cap hit of $4.6 million, And I just wonder, what do you guys think? When it comes to Ryan Murray, could you even try to trade him this summer? Or would it basically be obviously selling low if anybody would even offer up anything as it is. Seeds, I'll start with you. Well, considering some of the guys, like Wayne Simmons got a pick, I'm sure someone would take a flyer on Ryan Murray. But uh, I wonder if him not playing against Edmonton was more of a case of 
what what kind of we've bandied about amongst ourselves for a while. Ryan Murray should probably never play a back-to-back again ever in his career, just for his own sake, to let his body recover. Um, I wonder, and, and, and next year, I, I fully expect him to be on the roster next year, were I Yarmo, um, I would probably just let him walk at the end of this contract because at, at some point, it's you, you know, you don't have to keep sinking dollars into a sunk cost. Um, I expect Murray to be here next year. Obviously he probably won't be healthy for much of the year, but he, when he is healthy, I, I kind of want to use him as a break, break glass in case of Metro or top 15 opponent type deal. Like if we've got, if we've, if we've got a, a week where we've got games against new, uh, New Jersey, Ottawa and Philadelphia, maybe only play Murray against like two of those teams, including indefinitely, maybe like the two Metro teams. I just, I've had an, I, 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 Murray's not able to consistently stay healthy and that's not his fault. I, I honestly feel bad for the guy that given that article we, uh, that Portsline wrote last week that his quality, he's going to have to do back stretches for the rest of his life. Like I feel bad for him from a quality of life standpoint at this point, like that, that really sucks that his back is that messed up and he's, he's probably going to have to have major surgery on it after his playing career. Like that really, really sucks. And I honestly feel bad for the guy. And I wonder about his future in professional hockey, but if he's going to play and you know, he's a competitor, I would expect him to do everything he can to get out there. The team and the doctors need to kind of work with him to try to mitigate their, the injury um, possibilities, you know, like I said, don't play him any back-to-backs. Maybe play him in if they have a three and four nights. Maybe play him on like the first night and the fourth night. Like try try to give him give his body as much of a break as you possibly can because the kid. The, I, I honestly feel bad for the kid, but man, you got to do everything you can from a team wise and a management standpoint to keep this dude healthy. Yeah, I. I uh... I think you're right about that. I remember seeing that article when he was close to coming back that was talking about how, you know, he and the team doctors, they went to see specialists. They were kind of working together to figure out, okay, what's wrong with the back? How can we change his, uh, you know, his training and things like that to, you know, strengthen his core muscles, take pressure off the back? How can he just prepare maybe differently than he used to? Um, And the article was very optimistic that, oh, well, now we've got a solution He's coming back, and he should be healthier going forward. This back problem should be, you know, they're dealing with it. Um, so then, when I heard that he was, you know, missing the Edmonton game, it's like, oh well, <laughs> so much for that. We got two games that he's hurt again. So I was, I was stunned then when I tuned into the game last night, and oh, there's Murray. He's playing. He's like back from the dead. That's great. So uh, I think your idea seeds of, you know, basically load management. You know, which we see a lot in the NBA, but we don't see in the NHL. Um, Dom Lushizen at the Athletic had an article this week, this past week, about that, and argue and talking. Or he, he brought it up on Twitter again, but I think it was from earlier in the season. But it makes a lot of sense to you know in games where you have either a very high odds to win or high odds to lose, like maybe sit some of your players that are a little bit nicked up or something, and you know, basically just consider that game a lost cause or whatever. Um, but with long-term goals in mind. So I think that could work for Murray. Uh, you know, I see him as kind of like that friend that we all have that, you know, is super fun to hang out with, 
but you can't count on them. You know, either they, they cancel it last minute or they no-show. And so you kind of stop automatically including them and stuff. But if they're free and you get to see them, it's great. But you don't count on that, you know? And I think that's, that's the case for reason, which it's not his fault. I, I feel bad for him. Uh, I do wonder how much longer he will try to play hockey because he does have to think about his long-term comfort and, you know, how much more pain is he willing to take to try to keep this dream alive. Um, yeah, I don't think he will be traded because I don't think the Jackets are going to get fair value for him. I think they're better off keeping him in the mix because he can help the team win healthy. Um, but then, you know, when his contract expires after next season, I, I think they can just be content to let him walk at that point. You know, so long. Thanks for the fish. And, you know, he might just walk away from the game at that point as well. I agree with all of that about the load management. You know, we all, we all, when we look at the schedule at the beginning of the year, we kind of circle certain games and it's like, that's a schedule loss. Like it's just because of how the schedule is built, um, unless we get outstanding goaltending, uh, that's, that's probably going to be a loss because, you know, it's the, it's the sixth game in eight nights or something ridiculous, you know, or, you know, fourth game in seven. Um, but I also, I just want to, I just want to reiterate how bad I feel for Murray, the guy, like in that article, they talked about how he, he went and got himself a dog because he was tired of sitting alone in his house and just being alone while he's trying to rehab and get back. And it just, it sucks from the human side to see that, to see, see a guy going through this, a guy who's, you know, five years younger than I am and going through such, such miserable such miserable, uh, life experiences. I mean, I thought it, you know, I was, I was unemployed for a little while last summer, um, or last year. And I was miserable being at home after a, a couple months. And I can't imagine having to do this multiple times over multiple years. I just honestly feel bad for Murray, the person at this point. I really hope he's it's at some level, whenever his hockey career is over, he's able to live somewhat of a normal life and is able to, uh, be, uh, uh, find that mental strength he needs. It reminds me a little bit of Greg Oden because he had a lot of d- issues with depression and stuff because of his injuries and not being able to be around the teams. And it sounds like Portland didn't give him much of a support system with his injuries. And, and yeah, you feel terrible about that. It, it reminds you that, you know, these are not just pieces on a board. They're not names on the list. Like these are, are human beings and we have to consider the human side of it. Yeah, I'm glad you guys brought that up because from the hockey aspect, um, just the load management, that's a good point. You know, maybe they're almost essentially saying we're going to protect him from himself or, you know, from the game for this game. But then the human element for sure. I know so many fans can just get caught up in the the rigors of, you know, just the, the game itself and think, oh, of course, so-and-so is injured again. But when you really stop and think about it, it's it's a guy who's doing his best to be out there at all times, at all costs, and he just has the worst luck when it comes to just trying to stay on the ice. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I hope the best for him, obviously, going forward, whether on the ice, off the ice, et cetera. I mean, hopefully he's able to not only have some good luck going forward health-wise, but talking long-term health, hopefully he uh, is able to have a good quality of life. Meanwhile, guys who are always on the ice and we wish they weren't, Scott Harrington. We're going to go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So Eric Portsline tweeted an article from The Athletic today, Harmon Dale, I hope I'm saying that right, and Thomas Drance covered the Canucks for The Athletic, and they had an article that mentioned a possible trade that would have sent Josh Anderson to the Panthers for Vincent Trochik, and according to them, it was understood that it was the Blue Jackets that said no in that proposed trade. I was kind of curious, PD, what were your thoughts when you saw this? It's it's weird. That's what I thought. All everything about this was weird. Which the whole Anderson situation has been weird. It's weird that there even is an Anderson situation. Like he and Columbus should be a perfect match for each other. I don't know why there's so much supposed conflict here. It's bizarre that this tidbit is being dropped today of all days, and by writers on the Vancouver beat that doesn't make sense it makes me wonder where this is coming from uh and and that deal doesn't make a lot of sense to me from either team's side um anderson doesn't seem like the missing piece for florida uh you know they need their big gaping hole is is defensively now he could certainly help from a defensive forward side but that's not that's not going to be the cure for their problems also, their ownership wants to cut $10 million in salary this offseason, um, and Anderson is going to certainly be making at least as much on his next contract as Trocek's been making, and will likely want to sign for longer, so that wouldn't make financial sense for the Panthers. Um, also, Anderson, if it was just a one-for-one, one, you know, they got two players and two prospects from Carolina for Trocek. So I don't think that was a price that Columbus was going to want to match. And then from the Columbus side, uh, Trocek is a is a nice player, but I don't think he's one that would move the needle for Columbus. He's like he's a two way center, which is fine, but he's not the kind of uh, guy that brings an offensive spark that we really need. Um, you know, he had a great season like three seasons ago, 
but that was largely with uh, Jonathan Huberto on his wing, and he got a lot of power play production, which he hasn't been able to replicate since. So uh, I can kind of understand why Columbus would say no, because I feel like this summer, if we are going to trade Anderson, that we can get something better for him, or he could be part of a package for something better. It's funny that you say we couldn't use uh, an offensive spark from Vincent Trocek because, boy, howdy, let me tell you a couple of little fun stats here. First of all, we've had exactly one center hit 50 points in the last three years, and that was PLD with 61 last year. Trocek had, uh, has hit 50 points uh, three of the last four years. Last year he was down. He had uh, 34 points, but only played 55 games. That was a 50-point pace over the full 82-game season. And this year he's on pace for 49.7. Sure be nice to have him playing second-line center right now, especially when uh, there is a lot of friction between Josh Anderson and uh, the front office for uh, probably the last negotiation, maybe some injury-related concerns. I know, uh, I know there's been a, a lot of talk that, you know, the, the front office and Josh's camp might not have really gotten along about the injury. I don't really want to speculate on what's going on there, but it's been reported widely, uh, that there's been some friction, not only from Aaron Portsline, but LeBron reported it. I think Dreger did too, but, um, Trocheck. Adding Trocheck to the Jackets would have allowed, and, and if it was if it was Josh for Trocheck straight up, first of all, Yarmo's insane for not making that deal because Trocheck is a better center than anyone on the on the roster currently outside of PLD and makes less money than every center on the than uh, um, makes makes less money than both than at least Alex Winberg does, and he makes marginally more than Boone Jenner does. He's he's like a four point two million dollar cap hit. As far as um, adding Trocheck to the lineup, it would allow everyone to kind of slot further down. You know, that Boone Jenner line that's been playing half decently lately could actually be the third line rather than being forced to be the second line. Uh, it would allow uh, guy and, and it would allow guys just more naturally slot into their position. You could slot Riley Nash down to the fourth line center, kick maybe Kevin Stenland to the wing, or kick Riley Nash to the wing. They did that with. Um, Brandon Dubinsky a few years ago when he was playing on uh, the wing, but adding, tr- but uh, and, and plus the other the other thing about that is we're stacked on the right wing. You know, when when healthy, we've got Bemstrom and Bjorkstrand and Atkinson. So, and are you really going to put Josh Anderson on the fourth line? Probably not. Are you going to move Bemstrom down to the fourth line? Probably not. So you'd be trading from a position of strength to address a position the Jackets very clearly need. Because, again, Alex Winberg is not a second-line center. He should not be a second-line center, especially when uh, the track record that he's demonstrated over the last four years is much worse than uh, Vincent Trocek's. I, 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 obviously, we don't know the uh, full details of this trade. Aaron Portsline, uh, or the writers, I guess, for Vancouver that Portsline tweeted out, didn't have the full trade, and I find it very odd that, Van- like you said, I find it very odd that Vancouver writers had this bef- before any of, like, Blue Jackets reporters or Panthers reporters. But I just, I find it very interest- intriguing that uh, this option was even out there because that would have addressed a nice a nice piece for the Blue Jackets, especially when they're, uh, you know, we've all bandied about the idea this year of moving on from Alex Winberg, either by buyout or by trade. So this could have helped facilitate that move this summer. 
I disagree with that because I could see Trocek as being a a slight upgrade on Wenberg. He's a hundred fifty thousand dollars less of a cap it. Winberg, when he's he's had Winberg has had one season of fifty points. Yeah, and do you think Trocek's going to hit that again? I honestly don't. Why not? Because he he's twenty six. He's not getting younger. He's he's one year older than Winberg. Players who are twenty six generally don't get better after that among forwards. So 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 so. At that point, then can we stop saying Winberg is line mate dependent and start saying he's hit his ceiling and it's 35 points? Can we? Can, I, I'm just trying to understand why we're overvaluing our players and not looking at guys with more established track records. My issue is what we we're going to get going forward from these players. So if you take Trocek and then move Winberg, the thing is, I think you are not going to get sufficient return for Winberg. If you're giving up, then Anderson get Trocheck. So if you're moving Anderson Wenberg and then you're getting Trocheck and something else, I think that is going to be a net loss overall for Columbus. And I feel like Trocheck has also been very line mate dependent, um, and I don't see him as a offensive play driver, which I think that is what we are missing from the center position. I'd rather I'd rather have the guy with the track record of multiple fifty point seasons playing second line center. That's just if, if if you're valuing him for what he's done in the past, then you're doing what people criticize Yarmo for when they complain about what Felino and Wenberg are doing now. Because we're not going to be getting those fi- consistent fifty point seasons from Trocheck. No, I, I complain about the Wenberg contract because it was a contract season. He did it for one year, and that was a contract season. And I'm, and I'm saying Trocek's past years are behind him, so it's not worth investing to acquire a guy like, Cro- like Trocek. But he makes less money than Alex Winberg does. $150,000 less on the cap hit. It's basically a wash. And he, but he signed for one less year, and he's one year older. It's basically a wash. I was going to mention real fast, uh, even though it is kind of curious how this, this trade came up now, um, apparently in the article they mentioned that Josh Anderson's name has been floated about amongst Vancouver fans, so I guess they're maybe doing their homework on him himself being uh, potentially available, available in the future, and I guess maybe they were interested in his services going forward but uh also i guess i wonder too i I assume portland traveled and was in vancouver so maybe he was talking with the media over there i don't know but it is kind of odd that this kind of trade came up or potential trade came up when it did today instead of a while ago which 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 also makes me wonder a little bit about how true it might be um because for you know there's certainly critiques to be made about portland but i think that Generally, he is a very well-sourced reporter. So when there's jacket news that he's not first on, it makes me curious as to where the story really came from. For example, uh, on trade deadline day, you know, it was reported by Canadian media that Columbus was close on uh, Andres Athanasiu from Detroit, which we sitting here in Columbus as Jackets fans thought, well, that's, that seems like an odd fit. You know, and then he ended up going to Edmonton, and then Portsline later reported that from what his sources and the team told him, 
there was that was never that was never a close thing, which makes me believe that that was Iserman leaking it to his contacts in the media to try to drive up the price of Edmonton, which I think worked. So credit to Iserman for that. But so if if the report like this isn't coming from Portsline, and Portsline wasn't he shared this article, but he didn't say anything to confirm that he knew that it was true. So I wonder. There's I think there's a lot there that we're missing. So I don't think we're getting the complete picture there. Counterpoint, Portsline got scooped for the Panarin Saad trade. (laughs) Sure. So looking ahead this week for the Blue Jackets, they have Pittsburgh at home on Thursday, and then they will welcome Matt Duchesne and the Predators in on Saturday. PD, what are you looking for? Obviously two points, but or four points really, but... Uh, what do you think about this matchup with Pittsburgh coming in and Nashville? Uh, well, I think the the Pittsburgh game is a lot more important just because it's a division game. Um, I really hope that we play uh, Elvis in that game because I think he is the better goalie, and I think we need to play him in some of the more important games that we have left to go. Um, and Pittsburgh is a team that is, uh, they are struggling a lot lately, just like we are. So I think that's something that we need to jump on. Uh, be aggressive right from the first puck drop. Uh, see if we can try to get the pressure on the goalies early, score, and then try to keep piling it on. Because I think if we get an early lead that this Penguins team might not have what it takes to, to jump back on that. So I think that's the important one. Um, Nashville is a team that uh, is also fighting for a playoff spot. They're underperforming. Um, you know, obviously we lost that one in Nashville. Um, so yeah, if, if we can get, I think if we can get just two points, we can maybe keep pace. Uh, but obviously, at least three would would help a lot. Uh, we're gonna have to. There's we're in the stretch of the schedule where other teams have more games to play. So we're going to be doing a lot of scoreboard watching to see what the teams around us, the Metro are doing. Yeah. um, Pittsburgh is a team that in their last 10 is worse than us. uh, Surprisingly enough, Pittsburgh is two, eight, no in their last 10 and they're coming up. They've lost two straight games. So uh, you hate to see it. (laughs) You, you hate, you do hate to see it. We're, yeah, we're, we're catching them at the, we're catching them at the right time. If we want to grab a, grab two points or on I really hope Elvis goes for two yeah, two reasons. One, like like you said, PD, I I think he's just the better goaltender than Corpus Hollow at this point. I trust him more and I would feel better with him in net. Also, Elvis res- deserves revenge for uh for that first shellacking he took in Pittsburgh. And nothing would make me happier than just seeing him pitch like a one goal against game and a win over Pittsburgh late in the season. Just to continue the uh, Penguins on their spiral and uh, move the Jackets even closer to them in the standings. So, uh, yeah, as far as the Nashville game goes, whatever. Do your best to get a point. It seems like we've gone to overtime in every single game against a Western Conference team up until this Canada trip. So get a point, maybe get two, but beat the Penguins. Yeah, I get three points. I think that would be, I mean, two against Pittsburgh and like you said, try to get a point against Nashville. In the in the Pittsburgh game in regulation. Yes, yeah. Basically, and when watching the other Metro games, hope 
that they end in regulation. Like even if the team that we want to would prefer to win doesn't win, at least regulation. Like when uh, Carolina and the Islanders went to overtime on Saturday, that was the worst possible result for us. Yep. That's right. Emphasize regulation. Well, we're just about out of time, but we do have time for final thoughts. Seeds, do you want to take this? Sure do. The Dayton Flyers are going to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Potentially. I think you're right, though. Nah, it's going to happen. They're going to, they're going to be a one seed. Also, I just want to shout out Obi Toppin for uh, his between-the-legs dunk against uh, George Washington on Saturday night. Might have been the, play I've, the best play I've seen all year. Sorry, Petey. No, no, that's fine. I, I did not expect my alma mater to win that game, and they actually kept it a lot closer for the first 25 or so minutes than I thought they would. Um, and yeah, those, those Obi Toppin dunks were, were incredible. He's a, he's a very special player, and I always root for Atlantic 10 teams to do well in the tournament, so hopefully they go on a deep run there. All right, my final thought real quick is um, with, you know, everyone's you know, worried about this coronavirus going around, so I just encourage everyone to uh, please always wash your hands, stay clean. If you're feeling at all under the weather, stay home. Don't infect your coworkers or anyone else. Uh, I'm a little nervous about, you know, what impact this might have on sporting events. Uh, you know, there's a chance that some games could end up be, being played with no crowd, just for public safety, and which would be unfortunate, obviously, because we love going to these games, we love watching these games, but um, you know, public safety is paramount. So uh, hopefully this is something that we can get under control and get through, but everyone, please stay safe. Please wash your hands. Yeah, well said. Yeah, so I guess my final thought is with the time change and it being warm again here in Virginia, it's been awesome today so far, so... Feels like spring is in the air. And also, just real fast, March Madness is almost here, like Seeds was talking about. Can't wait. I'm pumped for that. Uh, that'll pretty much do it for this week. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. If you haven't checked out Angela's newest album, 430, go do it. You can stream it all over, and you can find out more at AngelaPurley.com. Rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at CBJCannon and comment on JackusCannon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you all next week.